0: Praise God. Well, this is Holy Week. Coming down to Friday, Good Friday, to Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection morning, amen? And so I want to preach something to you tonight It may be a little off the wall, but uh, in the way I'm going to share it, but uh, it's not off the wall on the way. The word goes, but I, I, this whole week when I preach Sunday about the blood of Jesus and then I just can't get off it. I've just been meditating on it and just dwell on it and chewing on it, turn it over this way and that way and the other about, you know, we can do things in just religious manners and, you know, go through, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's Friday, good Friday. Well, you know, let's go out and eat or. You know, oh, it's Easter service, you know and, and, you know, and just go and just do things out of routine, out of religiosity, all right, and miss everything that the Lord's trying to share with us right now trying to open our hearts to and understanding. And uh, so I just can't get off about how here we were lost in the world, no chance, no way we were going to make it, no way we were ever going to get right with God, and Jesus appears, and what I'm amazed about is how many people missed it. How many Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders that had studied the Word of God and knew what the prophet Isaiah said, knew what was going on, knew what Hosea said, knew what all the the, the the word had said about the coming Messiah, and they missed it. And like I said, Sunday, they were busy trying to get Passover done, busy trying to get their lambs prepared, busy trying to get all this stuff done, but yet they missed Jesus, the Lamb of God, walking down. The road, carrying the cross, going to the hill, just dismissed it and went on. And I just am afraid that so many Christians today are doing the same thing. That we're missing the power in the blood of Jesus and what the blood of Jesus really does for us. And we, we know it. I don't even know if this is the right word. We know it like metaphorically, but we don't know it as reality. We don't understand what the blood does. Amen. We're still trying to live our lives by works. We're still trying to do live our lives by um, merit before God rather than totally living by grace and under the blood of Jesus. And so I want to show you some things tonight. And so get your Bibles out. And, and if you would, just go to the book of Leviticus. Okay, now I'm just, I don't have any specific scriptures. You don't have anything specifically to shoot up on the screen. Just go to the book of Leviticus I'm not going to any specific scripture. I just want to show you something. Okay. I'm just reading the, what do you call it? The headlines at the top of the, starts the chapter, right? All right. I was just going through this this afternoon, looking at this and let's just look chapter one, Leviticus chapter one. Remember the book of Leviticus is all about what Moses, what God gave Moses as the ordinances that Jewish people were supposed to keep in order to be right with God. Okay. So the chapter one's all about the burnt offerings, okay? Chapter two is about the grain offerings. Chapter three is about the peace offering. Chapter four is about the sin offering. Okay, chapter five is about the trespass offering. The offerings of restitution. Chapter six goes under the, the law of the burnt offerings, the law of the grain offerings, the law of the trespass offerings. Okay. I'm over in chapter eight now. Then Aaron and his sons had to be consecrated. Had to be specific consecration done, specifically placed blood on, specifically done oil. Other clothes had to be consecrated. Everything had to be consecrated. Everything had to be holy. Y'all with me? Okay, chapter 9. Then, you know, the priestly ministry begins, it says here. And, and for that to take place, my gosh, it was just killing of animals and slaughter going on everywhere. Have y'all ever thought about what it would be like going to a Sunday morning church service where half a million sheep were killed? The blood, the, 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 the 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 bleeding of the lambs the you know the 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 stench the flies the everything okay okay then here's oh chapter ten you got old Nadab and Abihu that they go in and offer up strange fire get smoked right there clean them boys up in a dustpan took them out then you got all the food that they're not supposed to eat then you got the unclean animals then you got the ritual after childbirth then you have the cleansing of leprosy okay. Uh, 15 laws about bodily discharge and then you get to 16 the day of atonement okay y'all kind of getting the picture here of what you had to do in order to be right with god all the things that took in there then you got the day of atonement the coming where i I talked and shared about this that jesus fulfilled on the cross He, he fulfilled two things he fulfilled the passover lamb but he also filled the atonement lamb okay and so the Day of Atonement had to take place where this was his high service. They all went into, and all this priestly stuff had to be done. All this stuff had to be orchestrated. Everything had to be brought in. They went in, they brought the lamb, they killed the lamb, and the high priest had to take his chances, that he had done everything right, that everything was holy, everything was anointed, everything was, I mean, he could have died because somebody didn't put the right oil on the garment. Are y'all with me? I mean, talk about have to trust everybody did it right. Did the perfumer make the right oil? Was the right spices in it? Was everything of the correct measurements? He had to trust that all that was right, and then he went in there with the blood of the lamb going up into the mercy seat where the glory of God was appearing before and pour the blood out on top of the mercy seat, not to spill any, not to make a mistake and get out of there and not die like Nadab and Abihu did. Okay, then all the sins of Israel were atoned for a year. Okay, so I'm just showing you that you go on through. You just keep following. It just goes into you know law after law, penalty for breaking law, the sacrifice you're supposed to to do in order to be right with God. Y'all with me? Okay, now jump over to the old, the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine. Okay, so it starts out, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit here, so y'all just follow with me. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the the earthly sanctuary. That's what I was just talking about, Leviticus. For the tabernacle was prepared, the first part to which had had the lampstand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, the second behind the veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant overlaid, the sides of gold, and which were the golden pots that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, the tablets of covenant, and above it the cherubim and the glory overshadowing, the mercy seat of those things which we cannot speak in detail. Now, i got to back up for just a second, because once I'm reading that I'm thinking about something. If you've ever gone and looked at, the, at the, the construction and the detail that was in the building of the tabernacle. When I was going through Bible school, there was a whole deal on just the tabernacle of Moses and what it took. And I mean, they had a certain number of nails, a certain number of, you know, basically curtain rods, a certain number of of, of sizes of badger skins that were certain dyed one color and one another color, certain number of boards laid out. I mean, it was unbelievable the detail that was in the tabernacle. All right. And they would have to tear it apart And move it every time the glory cloud moved. Get it back assembled in perfect order, in order for everything to be right. How many of y'all right now tonight feel like your life is in perfect order? All right. So I'm just trying to I'm, I'm trying to build on this. I'm trying to show you how far we are away from in our merit being righteous before God. I mean, you could just you could think you had it all together. Walk to town and step on a dead bird and didn't know it, going to church, and you were then ceremonially unclean, and you had to go through a whole cleansing process to get to the rest of the stuff. You could be walking along and, and stumble over a rock, trip and fall in the ditch, and if there was a grave there, you were ceremonially you were unclean. I mean, just one thing after that, there's no way. God was doing everything in the Old Testament to try to show man, there is no way you can be right before me. This is what it would require. Okay, so then goes on, uh, verse 6. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the service. But to the second part, the high priest went only once a year, not without the blood which he offered for himself and for the sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit, indicating that this is the way into the holiest of all, was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices were offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience concerning only with food and drink and various washings, fresh, flesh, fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. So in other words, all this was doing, he's saying is cleansing what they could possibly do on the outside. It wasn't even cleansing what was on the inside. Right? Right? Okay, 11, but Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Now, I showed you this on Sunday, but I'll just say it again, that The tabernacle that Moses built was a pattern. It was a copy. It was a copy of what was already in heaven. When Jesus entered the holy place, he didn't enter Moses' tabernacle. He didn't enter enter the, 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 the temple that Solomon had built. He entered the heavenly temple. Hello? Where the real true was, not the copy. And he walked in there with his own blood, it says, and he poured his own blood out to obtain eternal. Everybody say eternal. That means never stops, right? Eternal redemption. Not temporal redemption. When when they went in and and he offered the blood in the tabernacle, Moses and, and the priest did. It was only good for one year. One year. But not Jesus. He went in and poured his blood out for an eternal redemption. It's not like your driver's license is going to run out. You check the date. Hello? It's eternal. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctifies for purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, I don't, I, 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 you know, I went home and I asked my wife after Sunday, did I beat everybody up too much? Was I being ugly? Did I do anything wrong? Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just am just stirred on the inside of us, even in my own self in ignorance sometimes. Because folks, listen to me, If we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and we have called on him and confessed him as our Lord and Savior and and said, Lord, I want you to forgive me my sins. And his blood has been applied to our life. Well, then it is. It is offensive to him for us to step back and let the devil talk us out of that and begin to put guilt and condemnation on us for anything. It's offensive to him. Oh, my blood's not enough. My blood can't save you. My blood can't forgive you. My blood's not enough. After he went to the cross and, and, and was beaten to die for us, then to turn around and say it's not enough? Oh, folks. It says here that it's enough to cleanse your conscience. So in other words, there's the power in the blood to come in there and literally clean your conscience, clear your conscience, get your thinking straight. Then what are we doing? Listen to the devil. What are we doing? Listen to him. Tell us lies. Well, you didn't make it. You're not enough. I'm not judged on my merits. I'm not judged on my dress. I'm not judged on my looks. Thank the Lord. Hey, I'll even carry it Father. I'm not judged on my what do they call it? BMI count? Body mass index? Is that right, BMI? Yeah, your body mass index. I ain't counted on my body. I says, oh no, no, you didn't make the cut. I'm not judged on that. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch those things and shouldn't be healthy, but I'm just saying that's not what I'm being counted on. I'm being counted on as the blood been appropriated to my life. And if the blood has been appropriated to my life, then every line, no good. Demonic force from hell has no right to be upon me. Can't deal in my mind, can't deal with me with guilt, can't deal in me with my past, can't deal in me If it's under the blood, it's under the blood, it's gone. Now, I'm not preaching cheap grace either. I'm preaching something that is so holy, so powerful, that we we should just cringe in awe That we got to get in. That we should just sit back and say, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm in. God, you're a God who only does wondrous things. Thank you for it. This is the life we should live every day. The world's full of idiots, the world's full of crazy things, but we should just be focused on Him saying, Lord, oh my gosh, I know where I'm headed. And you're with me today, no matter what, no matter what, a thousand falling at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. Do you know how hard it is to walk through a thousand falling at your side and 10,000 at your right hand? You're going to be having a lot of places and opportunities to stumble. Are you following me? And I grieve because people don't understand this. They don't walk in this. They're tormented by the devil, tormented by thoughts, tormented by their past, tormented by things that we should have a clear conscience from. 15 says, and for this reason, he is a mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of uh, of the transgressions under the first covenant. And those who were called may receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. I'm glad I am not living in the book of Leviticus. Let's look on, 16. For where there is a testament, there must also be ne- the nece- necessity of the death of the tester. For the testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the tester lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken, every precept upon all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and of scarlet and wool and hyssop and and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying the blood of the covenant, which the, the Lord has commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled the blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Mm, mm, mm. I want to keep reading because this is his greatest chapter. Therefore, it's necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these, but with heavenly things themselves with better fat sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but unto heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as a high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He would then have to suffer Often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, as it is appointed to men to die once after this the judgment. So, Christ, who was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So, Jesus did it once, he walked in the temple, he poured out the blood once, and that blood according to Hebrews 12, 24, is still speaking over our lives that if you're under the blood, you are redeemed. Amen. So you said, well, pastor, I understand that. I, I, I understand that, but why do I still feel guilty? Because you've not let Christ come in and renew your conscience. Sunday's message is going to be about the power of the resurrection and having resurrection power in your life so you can walk free from the bondages of the things of this world. Folks, listen to me. There is an evil on the world right now. An evil like has only ever been in the past hidden in closets, but now is loosed. It's an evil. It's a wickedness and an evil like you cannot imagine that's going on and taking place. And it's becoming more and more rampant and more and more accepted. Okay? But it's an evil. And it's not like anything you've ever seen before. Because men are giving themselves over and yielding to what the Bible says in the latter days will come deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And they're yielding to it. And so they are, in a sense, becoming more evil because they're yielding to that evil spirit where we as Christians should be becoming more holy, more powerful, more walking in the resurrection power of Christ because we are yielding to it. Hello? Okay, now I want you to go Old Testament again. I want you to go back to Isaiah 53. Now, in the Old Testament, I'm not going to go through it all tonight, but all through the Old Testament, there was always the, coming, the, 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 the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, okay? Okay. Jewish children were always taught there was a coming of Messiah. Everything that had taken place all through Exodus, being captives and going into the promised land, there was always going to be the promised land of the Messiah. But over the years, people got it wrong because they began to think that the Messiah was going to come in and rule like in a natural level. They did not understand, even, but it's plain in the scriptures but they didn't understand the scriptures. Now there was a few that did. Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night did catch a glimpse of this and did understand what was going on. Okay. There was, there was, there were, I can't say all of them didn't, there were some, but people had studied the word and studied the word. Now the prophet Isaiah is one of the most read prophets and the prophet Isaiah has more prophecies that have been fulfilled uh, than all the other prophets. Okay. So Isaiah was one of the main prophets. The very first book that Jesus taught out of was out of the book of Isaiah, all right? So Isaiah 53 is sitting here, and they knew it was, a, it was about the Messiah. They knew it. it was, it's, not, it's not like you have to twist scriptures around to get it. It is about the Messiah. It's plain. Now, I just want to read it here. I'm reading verse 1. He says, who has believed, I report, and to whom are the arm?" To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up, for he, man, I'm just messing it all up tonight. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We all like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shears is silent. He opened not his mouth. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide a portion. I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he has poured out his soul unto death. He is, he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now here's Isaiah 53 sitting here. Now imagine Isaiah, the day that he prophesied this, the day that it came out and he wrote it all down. And then over, over the, 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 the years are just going by and people are reading this and say, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? How's this gonna fit? How's this gonna do? Oh, I bet it's this. I bet it's that. Oh, Just going through this whole thing. But clearly there's a few points in Isaiah that's really easy to pick up. Number one was, there was gonna be a sacrifice of the Messiah. But what it was gonna do was save the, the people from all their iniquities. And in doing that, Healing was there from everything, a deliverance for the people. Yet Jesus is on the cross dying. John the Baptist had already said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His own disciples are standing there watching this happening, thinking it was defeat. Think about that. Oh, John, who laid his head on his. Jesus' bosom and was the close companion. Peter, James, went up on the Mount of Transfiguration with him, heard the voice of God, saw Moses and Elijah. They're standing right at the cross saying, it's over, it's defeated. Oh, my gosh, they have killed Jesus. Beginning to have doubts. They went fishing. It's all over with. It didn't work. What did we do? We've wasted these last three and a half years. We gave up our lives, our business, everything. Talking back and forth and saying, well, we know we did miracles. We know You know the blind guy was blind. You know that leper was healed. I know, but I don't understand. Not ever connecting Isaiah 53 that they had. They had it. Wasn't like it was the New Testament not yet written. They had it. All they had to do was go back and look at Isaiah 53 and say, look. They didn't do it. But people today are just taking Jesus as a figurine, as a symbol on a cross, going to church and, not, and, and doing the same thing. They're not looking at saying, he is the savior of the world. He redeemed my soul. He freed me from conscience. Devil, go away. You don't have any rights to touch me. No weapon formed against me, or that could ever be forged against me, it's going to prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment, it will be condemned. For this is my heritage, as a son of God. I'm just quoting Isaiah fifty four seventeen. I'm not. I'm just quoting Isaiah fifty four seventeen, folks. I'm not just made this up. I'm telling you what the word says. But is it in our heart, or do the facts around us? And the happenings around us dictate our lives. So is the word true or not? Are the promises truly yes and amen to us? So then something's wrong on our side. We think God's not moving, but the problem is it's on our side. I was thinking, Dr. Brown, the other day I was doing my 30-minute walking trying to figure out how to fudge my time. And I became kind of disgusted with myself because I thought to myself, you know, this is really pretty sad. We want our bodies to function in perfection, but we really don't want to do anything about keeping our bodies functioning and perfection. We just want it to work. And as I said that, I felt like the Lord said to me, that's what they all want from me. They want to throw up a prayer and have it answered, but they're not willing to spend any time reading the word, looking at the word, developing the word, meditating on the word, digging down deep into our souls. We get a few little pieces and a few little minutes here and there for God, but we don't have any time to You know, we're busy or we're tired. Hello? Don't get mad at me. I'm just preaching good. I felt guilty myself. I'm like, man, Jesus, you did all this for me. I'm going to heaven. No matter what happens to me on this earth, no matter if I have to live at some time in life, I never will, but even if I had to live in a cardboard box underneath the bridge, it doesn't make any difference. I'm headed to heaven. I'm righteous. I'm redeemed of the Lord. No weapon that forms against me shall prosper. It can't prosper. It's, it's, it's eternally written that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's eternally written that the promises of God are yes and amen in our life and that everything that pertains into godliness has already been given to us through the blood of Jesus. Now I'm going to say something that may make somebody mad. I don't, I don't, uh, it's none of my business what you do Sunday. But all i can say is do not spend your day on sunday hunting easter eggs with the grandkids that you've not given time to god that's ridiculous and call yourself a christian you may say well pastor that's just kind of rough i'm sorry i just feel rough tonight jesus bled and died for us when i got saved when i gave my heart to jesus in that barn when I was about to blow my brains out and thought the world was at an end and I gave my life to Jesus, the revelation hit me of who he was. It hit me. I mean, it's like a Damascus Road experience. And it hit me. And I knew Jesus was real. It's the only way I can say it. I knew he was real. And I'll never forget the words that came out of my mouth. I said, well, Jesus, if you were willing to die for me, the least I could do is live for you. And it wasn't pre-thought out in my mind. It just came out of my heart. If you were willing to die for me, well, then the least I can do is live for you. But I think about Christians. I think about people who call themselves Christians. And I'm not talking about the church. I'm not picking anybody in the church. I'm thinking farther up north. That call themselves Christians. And, and, and when, I, when they hear them saying that, it makes a bad taste in my mouth and makes me just want to spit. Because you cannot do the abominations that they're doing and say, You're a believer in Jesus. But God, I love and mercy. You can't do it, folks. You can't. Listen to me. You have to understand that. <laughs> Yes, the blood saves us. Yes, the blood redeems us. Yes, there can be a person who has not walked very long in the in the sanctifying process to have redeemed their mind from those things. That's one thing. Killing babies is another. That's another whole ballgame. Coming and going, listen to this. Coming and going under oath, where they say raise your right hand, and you promise to tell the 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 the, the, the Can I tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God? And they say, yes, and then they lie. No fear of God at all. You know why? Because they're not redeemed. Their conscience is not washed with the blood of Jesus. But they call themselves Christians. My point is, it's time for the church to rise up. It's time for us to understand what the blood of Jesus is all about. It's time for us to understand that there is power in the blood of Jesus. As as children of God, to understand our place and our position in life, that we sit positionally at the right hand of the throne of God and have the ability to stare into the face of adversity and say, no, it's not going to go that way. It's not going to go that way. Let me give you one last scripture here. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans 5, 6. I'm not trying to be mean tonight. I'm not trying to be harsh. I don't want to be known as the old fiery preacher. I, well, I don't care if I'm what I'm known as. It don't make any difference what I'm known as. People are going to say whatever they're going to say. But I'm just telling you, I'm pushing you because I'm just feel it in my heart. We've got to make a change. We've got to make a difference. Romans five six says, "For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly." Folks, you are not chosen. To be a child of God because you were so perfect. We have got to get off of this merit system with God and get ourselves under the blood of Jesus system. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, having now been justified by his blood, shall we be safe from the wrath through him? Justified, justified by his blood. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be safe by his life? the resurrection power. I believe, I pray for a coming revival, a great awakening where the seed of the word of God has been sown in people's hearts and it becomes alive within them. But I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that right now at this time, man, we need people who are Christians to get revelation of the blood of Jesus. We need to stop bowing our knee to everything going on and rise up and say no. Hallelujah. No, it's not going to go that way. You're, you, look, no matter what you do, no matter what kind of weapon you form, it's not going to prosper against us. God is on our side. Amen. If God loved me enough to save me when I was a sinner, how much more now when I do love him, is his grace and mercy and love being poured out. Hallelujah. Amen? So I want you to think about from now till Sunday, think about the blood. Think about what he's redeemed you from. Think about everything that's going on. Then I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to do this little lesson for me. I want you to kind of sit down and take a mental note of everything going around you weapons that may be forming against you. When I say weapons form against you, I'm talking about little, little stinking little rat mice gnawing with doubt and unbelief at you, you know? Because see, even Proverbs says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's all those little things sitting out there, those little doubts, those little unbeliefs, those little things, those little mice, those little rats, those little foxes just Eating at your faith, and I want you to get them under the blood. I've I've said this so often. If you feel guilty about something, repent. You say, "Well, I already did, and I still feel guilty." We repent again. There's no limit on repentance, right? I mean, repent until you don't feel like you got to repent anymore. Let the power of the blood of Jesus cleanse your conscience and deliver you from that. And sit down and take a middle note and get these things off. Get them off. Man, get these things out of here. Get the blood of Jesus over your life. Things that have wounded you, things that have been offenses you may have taken up, things that are down inside your heart, things people you haven't forgiven, whatever. Get it under the blood. And Sunday, then we're going to come back for a great resurrection service. And I want to preach on the power of God through the resurrection and how you get that resurrection power working in your life and what you're going to do. You're not going to be surprised, I'll be honest with you. If you know the Word of God at all, you're not going to be surprised. I don't have some great... I didn't come up with the secret word. If you say these words, it will all change. No. But I want to preach it. and Because people right now, folks, need hope. I'm so, I'm just, you know, I could just keep on my soapbox and just keep going, but I'm just so tired of lies. I'm just so tired of lies, you know, all the things going on in the world. I'm so tired of stupid, gullible people just going down as sheep to the slaughter. And I just want to go run out in the middle on the front of them and say, stop. But I know I'd just get run over. I'm just tired of it. You know, it's like, you know, and I, I tell you, you can hear all kinds of things, but, um, you know, through all the coronavirus we've been through and all this stuff, you know, everybody's wash your hands, purify your hands. You've got to use the purifier. Oh, my gosh, we got to run out of purifier. There's no purifier. Oh, we got to have more purifier. Get the purifier. Put the purifier on. Put the, You know, I put that. I, I'm a person that washes my hands. I wash my hands a lot. But usually it's water and gojo or something like that to get grease off, right? You know? And, uh, you know, I, and I'm not a big hand sanitizer person. I never have been a big hand sanitizer person i mean once in a while i'd use some but not like like they're telling you you're carrying around dumping on you all the time do your hands get chapped and dry and everything's does now they're now they're coming out and saying well um uh, some of the a lot of the hand sanitizer we are using had benzene in it and benzene causes cancer and so you know and i'm like way to go stupid we trusted you put it on us put it on the hands and everything oh well, I'm so, oh that was the stuff that causes cancer I'm like, way to go. You lying. I just want to hit somebody. I'll be honest with y'all. I want to hit somebody, some stupid doofus, whoever they are, that gets this stuff going and puts it out there. I just want to say, you're an idiot. You know? So what else are they going to come up with? Oh, mask had small fibers that you sucked down your nose and went into your lungs, and now they call cancer. I haven't heard that. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I did not hear that report. I just made that up, but I'm saying I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't come out next week. Are y'all with me? Because I'm pretty much convinced that uh, they don't know nothing. Trust one of them. All right. So if I've rattled your world tonight, praise God. I hope I rattled it to cause you to fall on your knees and cry out for the blood of Jesus, if nothing else. Amen? Okay, so praise God. Let's stand up. I'll quit. Let you go home. I want to pray over you, though. I want to pray over your offerings. I want to pray over you. And and I I encourage you, be here Sunday. We're going to have a great service. And... uh, Get the blood over your life. So, Father, right now, I just pray in Jesus' name over everybody, everyone listening, watching, and out here, Lord God, I just declare right now that the revelation of the blood of Jesus will become so real to us. Lord, let us have dreams tonight, visions. And, Lord, let us just see you. And, behold, let the word come alive within us and erupt within us, Lord, so that we understand that no weapon that forms against us is going to prosper. That, Lord, our life, according to John 10, 29, is in the palm of your hands. And then nothing going to snatch us out. Lord, let us be reminded that, that Lord, that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, Lord God, that nothing can separate us from your love. That your love is abounding towards us. And with the blood of Jesus over our lives and the forgiveness of our sin, the eternal redemption that you bought for us on the cross, Lord. Let us walk in that victory. Let us walk as children of God. Truly children of God, under the blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for blessing the families, blessing the people tonight, blessing their tithes, blessing their offerings, Lord God. I declare, Lord God, that as long as there's breath within our lungs, we're going to continue to to finance the gospel around the world and preach the gospel everywhere we can and tell them how great and wonderful you are. And so, Lord, I praise you for that. And I thank you for it, Lord. Bless them, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.